Hey everybody and welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I'm John, joined here always by Jared. Um, and we are going to talk about the, the Venom series. So Jared and I, you know, <laughs> we both caught uh, Let There Be Carnage in theaters over the last week. Jared's seen it a few times. Three times Three now. Three times. So he has he has all the insights lined up for you. <laughs> um, as much as much insights as 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 we can give. Um, funnily enough, I guess like two um, viewings of Let There Be Carnage is the same as viewing Endgame once. So pretty much <laughs> those tight run times are pretty uh, appreciated. Before we before we dive into those there, you know, it's been a while since you and I had recorded a news segment. Jared, <laughs> and it has been. We've got <laughs> some big. Big news to talk about here today. I know sometimes we're kind of reaching for the news stories that we pick, but but we've got some got some big ones to talk about. So uh, right off the top, there was a new report from Deadline that revealed that an Agatha Harkness spinoff show is in development uh, for Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I, I mean, Catherine Hahn was definitely like the the highlight of one of the biggest highlights of WandaVision. Uh, you can tell she like really relishes in that role and like has has fun with it um i'm excited to see what uh what that is able to to bring to the mcu i if i had to guess um it's going to be primarily in like 1600s salem um wasn't there i could be mixing this up with dc but wasn't there a marvel run of like marvel salem or like a 1600s comic run I could be wrong. In, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe I'm mixing it up with something else, but um, maybe that is DC. I'm, I'm confusing it with. But anyway, uh, I, I'm curious and excited to see what Jack Shaver and his team uh, are able to bring back to the table with this character. She Agatha was one of the more interesting parts of WandaVision, and I think it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I'm really excited for it. Um, I I kind of think the opposite. I'm I'm not sure that they're going to make this a prequel. I think no. Um, you know, if you look at where WandaVision left her, spoilers. I mean, she's still alive in Westview, so you could easily come up with a situation where she gets out of that. You know, being trapped in in her Agnes personality. Um, yeah, that's true. The way I kind of see this is another one of this another another series that can kind of explore the dark mystical side of the MCU that we're mm-hmm. starting to really get into with you know Moon Knight um there are rumors of Ghost Rider we know that Halloween series is coming out of potentially like Werewolf by Night next mm-hmm. year so what if what if they start to position Agatha as like the magic user of like a Midnight Suns group and turn her into more of like an anti-hero that's interesting. I like that. I mean, she she wasn't much, not to say she wasn't a villain in WandaVision, but she wasn't like like the villain of the show. Right. Like so yeah, turning her into an anti-hero would be really interesting. I like that yeah, idea. And, the, and we didn't get much motivation for why she was trying to get Wanda's power. Like it could very easily She just wanted be, to become the Scarlet Witch. She was afraid of was the Scarlet pretty much Witch. It. I, I I took it as she wanted to be. I'm not sure. Like I, I I might have to rewatch that. But now with this with this in the back of my mind to try to piece right. that out. But I I think well because she says at one point like you have this immense power and you use it to make breakfast. You don't deserve it. Yeah, that's true. You don't yeah, deserve basically. it. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, 
but I think there still is a lot of unexplored territory in terms of like her motivations that that yeah. they can really dive into with this. Um, and and that's why I think there there should be or might be a prequel element to it to kind of explore more of her time in Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we got a little bit of it in WandaVision, but I would like to see that just fleshed out a little bit more rather than just her mother betrayed her and she was accused of using the the dark magic yeah. that was prohibited. I mean, there's a, a 400 year gap in her history as a character. <laughs> right. So there's a lot a lot they could explore there. Maybe it would be like a mixed like with flashbacks, you know, that kind of yeah. relate to the episode. Um I also wouldn't rule out it starting in Westview as like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's possible. Agatha all along. Like maybe that's just the name of the series is actually Agatha all along. <laughs> That'd be pretty pretty brilliant, I think. Wouldn't be, that would be wouldn't be surprised if that that would be the case no matter what direction they end up taking it. Is that is the song the theme then? I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it it was such like a viral hit that yeah. I don't think they can ignore it. But nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, more Catherine Hahn as Agatha is is a good thing. Um, and the the article also mentioned that there is a plan to cross her over into the films as well. Um, it's a multi good. multi uh, appearance deal. So I will always take more Catherine Hahn yeah. in in mm-hmm. literally anything yep so that that's what makes me think that there's a it, it gonna be some future facing element of the show something that propels it, her character into the future or into the current mcu i guess but mm-hmm. i wouldn't be also surprised if we get some more of her backstory in this because we deserve it <laughs> we deserve it <laughs> and probably probably a good chance that we get an official announcement for this on disney plus day which is on probably. november 12th so we will see. So the next uh, next big story, uh, we'll continue with the positive ones here before we get into the, yeah. the bad news. Um, we we know our Adam Warlock. So the the trades kind of reported. Um, will Poulter has been cast as Adam Warlock, and James Gunn quickly confirmed on Twitter, <laughs> um, which was which was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. So well, why don't you go into a little bit of a the backstory about Will Poulter as an actor. Yeah, so so Will Poulter, he's been around, he's blown up in the past decade, but I mean, uh, side note, I'm still disappointed it's not Jamie Lannister. <laughs> I was really really pushing for that one, but I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. Um I think this is going to be a fun time. Uh but if you're not too familiar with Will Poulter, I'm certain you've seen him in stuff before. Uh, he's most known for uh playing the son in The Fate Son and War of the Millers. Um, he was also in the Revenant. He was in the Maze Runner series, and then he was one of the leads in in the interact Netflix interactive um, feature, the the Black Mirror Bandersnatch yep. um, game movie TV show. I don't choose know your what own you adventure. Want to call that film. the Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, he was the the boss, or not the boss, but the um, he like was like the, the head tech programmer, leads. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's got range. He's great in everything he's in. I'm, I'm. I mean, I, I really loved his character in Were, Were the Millers, but he was playing like a dorky teenager then, mm-hmm. and like he's like had the definition of a glow up since then. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with Adam Warlock if they haven't played it straight, if they haven't played it goofy. Um, I knowing Gun, they might have him play it completely straight. Yeah, it's around the rest it's of the really Guardians hard team. To say. 
I mean, my my theory on how they are going to play it is, you know, we, we talked about this when we did our fan casting, but I kind of see it as because he's coming from the Sovereign and they're the ones that create him, he's going to be like mm-hmm. the purest form of them, <laughs> like the most, right. the most vain and like kind of self-serving type of person. Um, I think, you know, with we've already done the Thanos arc. So, you know, he, mm-hmm. his character has a lot of ties to Thanos in the comics and the soul stone. And I don't think we're going to explore any of any of that <laughs> to be frank. I so, so I think they're, they're working with a pretty blank slate when it comes to, you know, what this character can be in the MCU, but I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. My, my theory is that the, the straighter somebody plays something in a comedy, the funnier it is. Um, the example I always go back to is uh, Doctor Strangelove. It was a, a, a 60, 1964 Stanley Kubrick comedy. It was a black comedy about a nuclear holocaust, really. Uh-huh. Um, but it basically, it, it takes place in three places, and one of which is on like a B-52 bomber that's going to drop one of the bombs. And when Kubrick was directing the actors on the plane, he said, he said play it straight like it's an actual war movie. And when it was cut together, it's one of it's like one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie really? because yeah. they're so self serious about it. So I think that's probably the best. Um, that's probably the best cor- direction to take in with this character, based on what you were saying of him being of making him vain and yeah, um, self centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I liked that idea. Yeah, and, and I'd kind of expect his character to last beyond guardians three i mean you never know i'd say so but he's a major player in marvel in general so i I, i'm glad they went with somebody young too that can stick around for years yeah decades even. yeah and i mean you look at what gun has been saying about volume three up until now how it's kind of the end of this iteration of the guardians of the galaxy and you could very Mm -hmm. easily see that adam warlock would be a, a member of the next team whatever that may be. Oh, easily. <clears throat> whatever that may be. Isn't there speculation of Nova 2 being in this or a Nova movie in the works? Yeah, this is all speculation on that one. There, but. there is speculation of a Nova movie starting development um, next year or the year after, or starting production, I guess. So Okay. So, yeah, I mean, Nova and Adam Warlock could easily be the next characters to kind of spearhead the next iteration of the Guardians. Because, I mean, even once James Gunn is done with it and this iteration of the team is done, they're not going to retire the brand. <laughs> No, just like they're it's not retiring the Avengers brand, now. even though you know we haven't had a lot of news on Avengers, but you know there will be another Avengers movie and a new Avengers <laughs> team. All in all, very exciting. I'm really happy with the casting. I think it's not anybody either of us had on our radar when we did our fan casting, but um, no. nonetheless, I mean Marvel just kills it with casting, um, and right. you know James Gunn himself kills it with casting too in his hand mm-hmm. in the process. So. Very, very excited to see what what's going on here. And now for the bad news, the big downer. We we have suffered more delays to the MCU slate, and practically yep. every date we know of has been shifted back. <laughs> aside from everything Guardian past Falling twenty, yeah, everything pretty much everything past twenty twenty one has been moved back. Mm-hmm. On the film Even side, by just I mean, we don't have months. any dates for any of the Disney Plus series in 2022 yet. Right. So just going down the list here, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uh, originally was late March 
in 2022. Now is May 6th. Thor Love and Thunder. And and I'll go through these, but they mostly have kind of just bumped to the next available date. <laughs> so right. uh, Thor Love and Thunder previously on May 6th is now July 8th. Black Panther Wakanda Forever previously was July 8th, um, but is now November 11th. The Marvels was previously November 11th, but is now February 17th of 2023. And Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania um, suffered one of the biggest delays. It was previously slated for February 17th, 2023, but it is now coming out July 28th, 2023. Um, Mm -hmm. And Guardians Volume 3 retains its slot on May 5th of 2023. So for Ant-Man, I mean, that puts it right into the window where the other two debuted. So, you know, maybe they're just kind of uh, putting it back where it performed, you know, reasonably well at the box office. I mean, those movies in general are just like light family comedies or um, they're as I think I mentioned this in the Ant-Man and the Wasp discussion on our like rankings was that I always called it the the diet coke of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, so like. I mean, that one, Quantum Mania should have like some major impact on the MCU in general. So there's going to be yeah. a little bit more weight to it. But I'm curious. I think I think you ha- you're on to something with it falling within the same time frame, period and month that uh, the first two did. Yeah. Um, as for the rest of these, um, Feige has said that uh, they're moving just because of production shifts and changes. Um, this is more of a company, a Disney wide decision rather than just a Marvel decision. Um, outside of Marvel studios, Disney has other releases that are coming out. And part of it probably is that they don't want to cannibalize themselves and release Disney properties at the same time. They're releasing Marvel properties, um, and compete with themselves, um, and he's also said that because they have so many slots, it really doesn't hurt them to just shift it back another slot. Yeah, which makes sense, honestly. I mean, at the end of the day, Disney, uh, they've only committed, you know, a Marvel Studios film can come out on this slot. So they just mm-hmm. kind of bump them all down without any huge repercussion, really, because they've already claimed the slot. So yeah. I think it, yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. One of the big disappointments I have is we're we're right in the window where we would have probably gotten a first teaser for Multiverse of Madness, and now that's going to be delayed like two months before we get a look at, at what that film is, um, which well, I mean, lines up we, right after No Way Home. Well, yeah, um, I have a feeling that could be slightly part of it, too, that they can't really start on the marketing of multiverse of madness until either closer to no way home or after it's come out because i feel like there are going to be massive spoilers in multiverse of madness for no way home Mm -hmm. um so and also there might be some production issues that uh some of some of these were held up or um there might have been a shutdown of some sort that we're not aware of um but i mean there could be a number of things Mm -hmm. um schedules are conflicting uh their problems in post-production but um i mean this stuff happens mm-hmm. to and it's happened more recently because of the pandemic yeah. but uh it's it's always happened yeah. i'm really not that concerned I mean, it's even always this. happened to marvel <laughs> you know like yeah they oh, have yeah. suffered delays before without COVID in the equation so <clears throat> right 
Yeah. Um, one, one thing that's pretty interesting here, I think, to, to talk about is, uh, this is pure speculation on my part, but I, I'm kind of even more sure now that we're going to get a season two of Loki before Quantum Mania and see Kang in that as a, a lead up to it. That's possible. Because if you look at, I mean, Quantum Mania on that air date is, is basically two years from the end of season one of Loki. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if season two of Loki comes out in that window in some way. Um, but now they have the liberty of being able to use Kang before Quantumania. So we'll see. We'll kind of see how how things shake out. But um, but yeah, I mean, at least between December and May, we have Morbius to hold us over. So there's always yes. that. Yes. There's always a Morbius. There's always the Sony <laughs> universe, the villain verse that we're getting. That includes Morbius. I don't, I don't think it's going to be the villain verse for long, but I hate to tell you. <laughs> so I think that's probably a good good lead into the Sony verse itself. Um, yeah. So, so go we, ahead, Jared. So we decided to uh, give Venom a uh, an episode, and we're going to dive into both Venom and Venom. Let there be carnage this week. Um, <clears throat> the I guess I'll just run through the some of the creatives on this. Um, the first Venom uh, came out in 2018, was directed by Ruben Flesher, and was written by Jeff Pinkler, Scott Rosenberg, and Kelly Marcel. Um, and the Let There Be Carnage was directed by Andy Serkis and written by uh, Kelly Marcel. Uh, Jeff Pinker, Pinkner, I'm sorry. Jeff Pinkner was, has writing credits on, and bear with us here, um, The Dark Tower, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Jumanji, The Next Level, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Strout Rosenberg has writing credits on Con Air, High Fidelity, Gone in 60 Seconds, Kangaroo Jack, and both Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and Jumanji, The Next Level. And then Kelly Marcel has writing credits on uh, Saving Mr. Baines, Fifty Shades of Grey, Cruella, and as I mentioned before, she is she's the solo writing credit on Let There Be Carnage. Uh, Tom Hardy, I believe, has a story credit on Let There Be Carnage, but uh, not one on the first Venom. So, quite the motley crew. Th- <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot going on in that creative team. Uh, Ruben Flesher is mostly known for like some of his more, I don't want to say grisly, but like or dark sardonic comedies, uh, 30 minutes or less zombie land. Um, he's also directing the, uh, the uncharted movie, which is based on the, the game series that trailer just dropped this week and boy, oh boy, does it look generic. Yeah, there's a and disappointing. There's a shot, not to go too off topic, but there's a shot towards the no, end of good. it that you know you could easily just place in a Spider-Man film <laughs> with the plane. Yes, and it looks like yep. it just does not obey. To quote Peter Parker, it does, that does not obey the laws of physics at all. <laughs> no, well, it's taken straight out of the game. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, that the shot is lifted <laughs> from the game, and like half of that trailer is lifted list, lifted from the game series. Yeah. But anyway, it's not. It doesn't look. It just looks boring and generic, and mm-hmm. yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's anyway. not donning, donning the Sully mustache, so I, I don't. No, like I'm disappointed. He's playing a young Sully, and that's fine. But even young Sully had a mustache. <sighs> anyway, um, 
but yeah, uh, Flesher's known for like these weird sardonic comedies. Um, I really liked Zombieland. I didn't see the sequel. Um, he's done a lot on TV as well. So I mean, he knows his way around the industry and uh, knows how to garner an audience. Um, but he's even directed episodes of uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. But um, how to how to how to describe these movies? I I'm I'm trying to think of a good place to start with. Well, I them. think you know, starting with the first one. <laughs> Because I, I, it's been a long time since I have seen it. Um, yeah. Myself, I think probably about two years. I, I didn't rewatch it leading up to this because I just didn't really want to. Um, yeah. But for me, it it was very forgettable. <laughs> I cannot remember yeah. a lot of the details of the plot aside from goo fighting goo. And even those <laughs> scenes were like, so dark and venom was black and riot was dark gray and it was so hard to tell what was happening in any of the fight scenes um right and then the biggest thing that i remember was the massive confused tone <laughs> like it did not know yeah. what it wanted to be it didn't know if it wanted to be comedy horror action superhero movie like it, it just was all over the place and one of the i mean the big scene that stuck out to me was the lobster scene <laughs> like it was just <laughs> it was just ridiculous like I, I don't know so okay so my my thoughts on this one have changed because of let there be carnage um i really really liked the first venom my my whole thing was that it was it was ridiculous it was crazy um and it and it came out a decade too late. Oh yeah. Um, like something like this should have come out in two thousand eight or two thousand nine, and it came out in twenty eighteen. Um, I, I guess we should kind of give some some backstory or, or some context that Sony's been trying to make a Venom movie or trying to push Venom for over a decade at this point in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we talked about this in, in our Raimi episode, but um. Raimi was forced to put Venom into Spider-Man 3, even though he didn't want to, because Raimi didn't see any humanity in Venom. But we eventually learned that there is some some character to him, and he's more than just a, a, yeah. a, a parasitic symbiote. Um, but it's Aviara like is trying to force this character down people's throats because he sells well, and he's a very popular character. Mm-hmm. But he's not meant for everybody. It's like Venom is kind of an a-hole and like weird. And what I really liked about this first one was at times it embraced that weirdness. Like you said, with the lobster taint scene, like I love that because like it just shows like how ridiculous this it, it this this series knows what it is. It doesn't have to be too self-serious, as we'll learn in Let There Be Carnage. Um but on my revisit of this movie, after seeing Let There Be Carnage, there is so much that way that just is so forgettable. Everything I remember about the first Venom that I liked about it is the relationship between him and Eddie mm-hmm. and all of the weird stuff that they do together. I don't remember anything. I like I had to write down the villain's name because I couldn't. He was so generic. Yeah, I don't um, remember. Carlton. Carlton Drake. Okay, sure. It's even generic name. Yeah, whatever. 
Um, and it even, yeah, it even <laughs> caused, I just read this uh, like a, a few days ago, but Riz Ahmed said he won't do blockbusters anymore because of this, because like he, he likes to get lost in his performances and he couldn't do it on that one. There's no character. Um, he was just bad evil no. scientist, man. <laughs> no. And evil CEO. Or whatever uh, like, he was. Uh, right. And like, there's a there's a YouTuber I watch every once in a while. I goes by the Cosmonaut Variety Hour, but he he's been doing this series called the worst superhero movies of all time, and he did this one a couple weeks ago. And he said, he, according to him, it's not the worst one, but it's one of the craziest on the basis that nobody in this movie is good at their job. Absolutely no mm-hmm. one. There's so many plot holes. There's so many problems with it. And that's what kind of makes it fun to me. Like I can, I can sit down and laugh at portions of it, and those are the, the high highs of it for me. See, for me, it's a bad, like, it's a bad laugh at it. Like <laughs> in Let There Be Carnage, there are parts that they want you to laugh at that made me laugh. And the in Venom, it was, I'm almost like laughing at how terrible it's. Like it's that's like why I C, enjoy it. Like it's but for me, like there's there's B B B horror comedies. B movie yeah. horror comedies and there's C movie <laughs> horror comedies and this that was a yeah. C movie. That's yeah. and and that's fair and I mean I think you and I are kind of agreeing on that. Yeah. Just to me, those elements I actually really liked uh-huh. about it. Um, it, I mean you're right in saying there's tonal inconsistencies all over the place. All the stuff with Carlton Drake and Riot is just boring. Um, the chase th- scenes through San Francisco are boring. Um, there's really nothing. F- there's really nothing fun about that element of no. it. Um, let me see here. I think the whole the whole idea of Venom wanting to come and take over the planet with the other symbiotes made sense, but then he just like on a dime turns and says, <laughs> "Oh, I love this place. Yeah. You've changed me, Eddie." But yet Eddie is still just a complete screw up, and he's kind of unlikable in this. To an extent, because do, do you remember like how it starts off? No. <laughs> so, yeah. So just, I'm not going to do a full recap, but like it starts off him and Michelle Williams's character, Anne, are engaged. She's a um, she's a, like a she's an attorney um, defending Carlton Drake's company, the uh, the Life Foundation in a, in a lawsuit. And Eddie Brock is like this vice style reporter. And uh, he ends up getting an opportunity to interview Drake. Well, he one night when Anne is sleeping, he goes onto her computer and like finds these legal documents that say confidential written across the biggest day and like takes notes and uses that in the interview. And of course, Anne gets fired because of it. He gets fired because of it. (laughs) And like, if you're that good of a reporter, (laughs) you know you can't use that stuff oh my god yeah and like the entire movie and i realized this like the entire movie is him feeling sorry for himself until like i think it's venom at one point just like says uh oh like you're a loser on this earth like i was but um but i see some good or not i see some good in you but like he sees some sort of positivity in in eddie and i think that what makes him want to stay but it's very unclear. Yeah, they don't they don't show us that positivity, like <laughs> the redeeming aspect no. of Eddie, even in Let There Be Carnage. N- like it, it, no, at least in Eddie- Let There Be Carnage, like 
kind of the point at of it was Eddie is an idiot, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like they even poke fun at it multiple times. <laughs> well, the I mean the relationship one, between like, oh he's just he's stupid. Like this this guy's an idiot. But in, yeah, I mean in general the relationship between Eddie and Venom is supposed to be toxic. Yeah, and they they nail that in the, in Let There Be Carnage. Yeah, they do a lot better, like much better job. Yeah, they're like they're beating each other up. Like it's really just Tom Hardy punching himself, but like they're beating each other up and mm-hmm. ma- and like insulting each other, and it's not supposed to be a healthy relationship until the end. Yeah, but and that's where um, Spider Man Three failed because we don't get any relationship between him and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the, to the first one, there are some there are some very good elements to it where it it gets kind of dark and weird and um it doesn't i i i guess what i'm trying to say is i agree with you to an extent i still have elements of this that i like i think this would be a fun time to like have drinks with and sit around and watch with people mm-hmm. um and to like almost do like a riff tracks or an mst3k type of <laughs> night with it um but i i couldn't go back and do this on my own again that was the first time i really liked it second time i didn't like it as much because of what let there be carnage has to offer which i think we should just go straight into yeah yeah let's let's do that um so i could kind of kick us off here um venom let there be carnage is a bad movie (laughs) yes but it is a fun movie it knows exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, I think for me, there is a very long-winded and horrible, slow-moving cut of this movie. Yes. But they knew what parts they could take out just to keep this like breakneck pace. And I think that served it well because for me, it's like the way I, I think this movie went is I think they shot a three-hour cut of it. <laughs> I think they showed it to Feige because <laughs> he infamously <laughs> he infamously takes notes on all of like Marvel films, even if it's not Marvel Studios directed, which I think he yeah. did for this one as well. So I think they did a three-hour cut. I think they gave it to Feige, and they were like, oh, no, this is trash. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God, what do we do? So instead of like reshooting things, they just were like, what if we, what if we cut out half of this movie and it just moves so fast that you never get to think about the problems it has <laughs> until it's over. Um, and that worked. <laughs> I mean, there are some uh, interesting decisions in here. Um, mm-hmm. There are character moments that just, when you think about it at all, it just doesn't make any sense. Nope. Um, it's contrived. Um, convoluted <laughs> in the way that it maneuvers its characters together for the plot. Um, but you still had fun, didn't did. you? did. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I that's mean, all I that mattered. Like, I turned the brain off. That... I enjoyed... Uh, my, my, my biggest criticism with it, and I think that this should... I, I think this is a legitimate criticism of ways they could still keep this fun and fast-moving pace, but still make it more interesting, is I think they took too long to establish Carnage. I think, a little bit. I think they either should have... I think really in the first meeting between 
Eddie and by the Cletus. way, full spoilers all yeah. around right now. Yeah, I mean it. It's like forty-five or fifty minutes into the movie until Cletus becomes Carnage, <laughs> even. <laughs> really, so yeah. I think it it would have made sense to have him become Carnage the first time he and Eddie meet. I don't think we needed the the extra lead up. Um, I get why you would only have Venom and Carnage fight once because like you can't do the typical hero journey film with Carnage because if if Eddie fights Carnage once and loses, he's dead. <laughs> like like yeah. he, Carnage is a, a serial killer wrapped in a serial killer alien, so um, right. he doesn't survive that. But you know, I think with some of the the internal debate between Eddie and Venom where Venom wants to eat people and kill people and Eddie doesn't want to let him do that. I could see that as kind of an interesting way. Like they fight carnage earlier in the film and win, but they let him live and turn him over to the police or whatever. And then he escapes again or, and then later they fight him again and Eddie realizes he has to let Venom take over and bite, bite Cletus's head off, which he does anyways, (laughs) you know, um yeah yeah that's that's understandable i guess with the plot like what are your what were your thoughts on it (sighs) overall overall i'd have to say this is exactly what i expected it to be i didn't go in with high expectations i didn't go in with low expectations when i saw andy circus was directing this i thought we're in good hands right now because i have not seen anything necessarily bad by andy circus or that involves him um i've listened to an interview with him where uh apparently him and hardy have been wanting to work together for a while and they've been like like relatively close friends or associates and like they had a list of directors and when uh, they did the first one, Circus was working on, I think, one of the Planet of the Apes movies and couldn't do it. But then when this came around, uh, Hardy put him at the top of the list. Uh-huh. So, like, they, they've been wanting to work with they've been wanting to work together for a while. And the way the way Circus has described this is it's a romantic comedy. And I'm, I'm going to take it a step further and say this is a bromantic comedy because, like. I, I can't see that any other way. It's it's literally I love you, man, crossed with natural born killers. <laughs> and I mean, if the if the first if the first Venom came out a decade too late with the really weird, gritty, uh, sardonic tone and some light com or some comedy, this came out 20 years too late. <laughs> and this should have been like this feels like something that would be on cable because it was it came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's exactly what they were going for, and they they landed that. Well, I mean, um, that's what Venom is himself. Like, <laughs> he is a character yeah. from that era. Then, right? <laughs> like, and that that's where the first one failed. Where this one succeeded is it, again. They know exactly what they're going for. They even reference at one point, or he even references at one point. I want to be the lethal protector, and like Eddie says, "Oh, that's such an '80s thing. We're not doing that." But. <laughs> Side note Um, on that point, they say Lethal Protector about seven or eight times in this movie that that has to be the title of the third one, (laughs) right? (laughs) Venom Lethal Protector. I mean, I could not believe how many times they said it in this movie. (laughs) Anyways, sorry. Um, But to the plot in general and story, not really story, but plot in general, it, again, it's exactly what I expected. It hits all the beats of a romantic comedy um, on the nose really well. And 
my my biggest gripe with it, unfortunately, is a lot of the Cletus Cassidy stuff. Because yeah. Cletus is for being a serial killer could be a very interesting character. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not asking for like an explanation into his psyche or anything like that. And they, I think they address that pretty well. Um, but all the stuff with shriek, I thought was very, um, it felt almost forced. Mm-hmm. Like I, you're talking about, uh, breaking it, almost breaking it pacing, but this is, this movie is an hour and a half. And at times it felt like it was two to two and a half hours for me Oh wow! after seeing it, even after seeing it three mm-hmm. times, Like I never checked my watch during any of it, but it like there's so much that happens in succession scene after scene yeah. after scene that it's hard to keep up with and it's very hard to um to kind of get an idea of where we're going like i feel like as i'm remembering this movie even after seeing it three times um i'm only remembering sequences i'm not necessarily remembering the order in which they they happened mm-hmm. um so I I don't really want to say that's bad editing, but it's to me 90 minutes feeling like two hours doesn't really sit well with me. <laughs> that's, that's that's not that's fair. a good sign. Um but I I liked the idea that this is kind of like the 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 character piece of what I'm assuming is going to be a trilogy. Um and we're getting like we get the origin story in the first Venom. This is like Venom and Eddie learning to live with each other, and then the third one we'll get a another um, step in this relationship. Yeah, like they're a well-oiled machine, right? Mm-hmm. So where where do they go from here? At this point, this is kind of like a uh, like a next step of well, we know each other, but how do we live with each other? Type mm-hmm. of type of scenario. And uh, I mean, I mentioned it follows the beats of a romantic comedy where they. They live together, they break up, and then they end up getting back together in the yep. end. Um, but well, that, this, that's interesting th- for a second on the romantic comedy piece because yeah. you know my criticism was like not criticism, but I was like you know you can't really follow the the hero's journey with this as you do in a typical superhero movie. But it's not trying to be a superhero movie; it's a romantic comedy. No, so like that is yeah. the the breakup that is the hurdle for Eddie to overcome is just his breakup with Venom. <laughs> so right, not really so much carnage. Carnage kind of took a backseat like to that, which I, I did appreciate because I agree with you in the, the Cletus Cassidy and Shriek stuff just not being very interesting. Which, which is a shame because I say natural born killers because Woody Harrelson was the star of that. It was an, it was a Quentin Tarantino script that Oliver Stone directed and Oliver Stone kind of like butchered the script. But it's about have you ever heard of it or seen it? No. OK, so it's about these. um uh, I mean, they're serial, they're serial killers. Um, I can't remember. Mickey and Mallory. Mickey and Mallory. Um, Mickey's played by Woody Harrelson. And they go on like a cross-country killing spree. And they're like become sensation- sensationalized by the media. Mm-hmm. So like when, when the first Venom was in production and it was announced that Woody Harrelson was cast, everybody knew immediately he was Cletus Cassidy. Like... Right. Oh yeah, I've I've seen Natural Born Killers. I don't need like there. This is they never should have announced that because that only when he didn't show up in the movie. Like that's a post credit scene, guys. Yeah. Um. Side note: I'm glad they got rid of the little Annie or little orphan oh, Annie thank wig. God. His wig was still bad <laughs> in this one. <laughs> 
it was. Um, <laughs> Not as bad as that post credit scene. <laughs> no, that was just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> oh, um, the the nineties natural born killer stuff, like. Cletus and and Shriek, Carnage and Shriek together, it it gave me that vibe of of natural born killers to an extent, and I I really wish they would have played into that just a little bit more. Even even though Cletus is irredeemable, you could still have fun with that role, and I can, you can tell Woody Harrelson is doing the best that he can with it. Mm-hmm. He's trying to ham it up as much as possible, but at, at other times he feels like it feels like just a paycheck too. Well, I I think one of the most contrived, yeah, I I wasn't, I actually wasn't a fan of Woody in this. No, like, I, I didn't care for it that much. It to me the characterization felt like they were going trying to do too much of like a Joker thing, like he was too okay. too insane and too like quippy and goofy and like like uh you know, with all of the drawings on the wall in his cell and his like coded message he had Eddie write in the paper it, it just felt like I don't know he was almost like a Riddler or something but mm-hmm. what I think they should have done is just make him more of like a stone cold killer type character have mm-hmm. Eddie and Venom accidentally pass the symbiote to him in a way that's not as stupid as him just biting him for no reason <laughs> <laughs> I've um, tasted blood <laughs> yeah um, and then what, what should have happened is he should have just gone on a like the the part that's too contrived for me is he needed to have a reason to have re- want revenge against Eddie specifically to put them into conflict mm-hmm. with each other. But I almost think they should have had him just go on a rampage, just start like going across the country killing people, and Eddie and Venom have to get together. Like we're the only ones that can stop him. Like we have to do this. Like and then they they go and chase him to find him and and then fight him. Like there's no. There's no personal direct yeah. connection between them. He's just a serial killer. Like he's going to just keep killing people. And you could even make a joke like like Eddie tells Venom, like, you know, if there's if he kills all the people, there'll be no brains to eat or something. You know, and like that that's right. what convinces Venom in the end. But like right. it's more of a I don't know. Uh, to me that that would be a more powerful, like, we need to get together moment and get back together and do yeah. this than like the contrived <laughs> like Eddie put me back in jail. I need to, <laughs> or Eddie sentenced me to death. <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I need to kill him now. Well, I think, I think what's interesting is that with carnage, it's very hard to do a PG 13 carnage. Yeah. Like, like if they wanted to, wanted to do carnage, they should have done maximum carnage and just, Sony should have just let them go with the hard R. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard to do something like Cletus Cassidy or Carnage without going that far because their story is so dark and so bloody and so like extreme. Yeah. That anytime you numb any part of those characters, it's going to feel contrived mm-hmm. or it's going to feel not, it's going to feel uh dumbed down or boring and i think that might be the biggest problem with this granted i think they did the best they could with a pg-13 rating like there was like this was pushing pg-13 to the the limit their their f word (laughs) yeah they used their f word they used it in the first one too but um yeah yeah i don't remember when but i do remember hearing it oh no i do i do remember it's right right before the final fight um 
but I mean, even like biting people's heads off and like, yeah, uh, like carnage shoving his tongue down somebody's <laughs> throat, like that, that's really pushing the boundaries of PG 13, right? At least to me. And I think they're, uh, I, I was listening to an interview with Circus, and, and the interviewer was saying, oh, yeah, like, um, I'm glad you guys were able to get an R rating with this. And Circus goes, "No, this is PG-13, but I'm I'm actually glad you said that because that tells me that we we really pushed it as much as we could and like we we got everything out of it that we could." Yeah. Um, so I I think I think to your point of it feels contrived at at, at places. That is definitely a reason why that Carnage doesn't need to be neutered or shouldn't be neutered. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I did like though, with this being a romantic comedy, that Eddie, Eddie Venom and Anne and, um, Cletus Carnage and Shriek kind of mirror each other in a very interesting way, mm-hmm. you know, that Eddie and, um, Eddie and Venom are going through this breakup because they don't get along with each other. Cletus and Carnage are kind of kind of have the same goals in mind, but because Shriek is kind of a, is kind of like the wedge, the the wedge between them because of her power, yeah. it ends up driving them apart. And I, I do kind of like that. That's in the romantic comedy sense. That's how Eddie convinces Venom that, hey, we're actually a good match. They're not so like. Because Venom lights Anne, and like we see that multiple yeah, times throughout yeah. the whole thing of like, like Venom's actually got a thing for yeah. Anne, which is kind of <laughs> weird. But, um, but the um, but to see like these three these three characters interacting with each other in, uh, I, I painfully say healthy way, yeah, no, versus sure. um, versus uh, they're willing to work out their issues versus. Um, Cletus, Carnage, and Shriek, who all kind of are self-interested in their own way. Um, Cletus and Shriek kind of being one unit in that case. Yeah. Well, and then what really breaks down is once once uh, Shriek goes against what Cletus wants even. <laughs> right? Like right. When, uh, and that was a really, really contrived and like out-of-character moment when they did this entire... Like they brought all the people to the church that were going to kill them all. And then Carnage was about to kill Anne, and she's like, "That's too far." I was like, "What? What do you yeah. mean it's too far? What? <laughs> like you were just on a yeah. murderous rampage for no reason. Like why is this too far? It's just so you can well, have one I, last conflict." Like, I guess, but I thought about that too, and they they don't really. The only people they kill were the ones that wronged them. Anne never wronged any of them, but at the same time, that like, shouldn't be the point I of think... Carnage. <laughs> and that's true. I guess it's not the point of Carnage. Maybe it's the. Maybe that Shriek only wants to kill people that wrong them, but I don't know. Yeah, and I think I think that's where part of the the conflict comes in between Carnage, Cletus, and Shriek. Um, in in the sense that Shriek only wants to get revenge on Mulligan for what he did to her when she was leaving uh, Saint Anne's. Saint, uh, I can't remember yeah. the the school, but I don't remember. Um, but. I, I do find that interesting that she kidnaps Anne just with the intention of luring Eddie to the church. I don't think she had intentions of killing Anne. Yeah. That's that's where Carnage comes in to like kind of like 
um, use her as bait mm-hmm. when Venom is vulnerable. Yeah, then that's true. So I think that's what she meant by this is too much. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's probably just the breakneck pace. Um, yeah, like like you said, when when you start to think about it and break it down, things don't make sense. But um, there's enough here to not to kind of keep you entertained mm, for an hour and a half. For sure. Can we, can we talk about some of the uh, bad moments and lines for a sec? Sure. Um, starting off with uh, what was the Anne's boyfriend's name or fiance? Dan. Huh. Dan. Dan. Uh, when Nobody Dan is on Dan. top, pouring the uh, yeah. lighter fluid on on Carnage, and he's like, <laughs> "Fire and sound." I was like, "Oh." But without, well, without the, the sound. Sound. I was like, "Oh." Like you, we saw this Why? together for my viewing so like you heard me groan at that part i was like oh that um, that one was bad so there's that um the other one that made me like laugh out loud was when uh cletus hacked the computer <laughs> and it's just that, like that's when i realized like, a video th- of like pulling all the information to his face <laughs> i was like wait what what kind of power does carnage have again is he just like a hacker? he just inserted the, the symbiotes know how to use the internet yes because because Venom knew exactly where the beach was that, Just, yeah, but that like, the bodies were buried. <laughs> so we have we've seen beings in the MCU do that before with like Ultron, like kind of viewing things like that. But like <laughs> that's supposed to be like a representation of what he's seeing in his head. This was just like showing yeah. on the computer screen, like two Cletus, <laughs> like he was actually wa- like watching this, and it was just like a it basically looked like a video playing of like all the information he wanted being like pulled to his face. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um, that's that's where I realized like once once Carnage like put his like the symbiote into the computer and like started pulling up like top secret government files yeah. and, and classified information. I'm like, I I this is I don't need anything else. This is exactly, exactly what I wanted. I was like, this is like this the is incredible. For them this is insanity. The like, we have to get him to this place. Like, I as a viewer don't want to sit here and watch <laughs> him like sleuthing around an office trying to find this or like you know, on his phone, Googling things and like piecing yeah. information together. Like, yeah, just show me him stick his fingers in a computer and it just shows him <laughs> what he wants. Like, I, I'm good with it, whatever. <laughs> like, it, that, that's the kind of stuff that fits with what they were going for, you know? Like, it's so goofy. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, and and like with, with Venom uh, becoming a, a detect, like a super sleuth all of a sudden, sees all the drawings and carvings on the wall, on the wall and then makes Eddie like, like draw out every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then knows immediately what they almost what all of them mean. Like draws out the beach yeah. scene and then like puts it right up to the computer and like knows exactly yeah. where that is without any hesitation. And like Eddie's Eddie's just such an idiot during that whole scene. He's like, "What are you showing me? What am I looking at? I don't know." <laughs> and like Eddie has a reporter walking. Venom's like, "Look into the look into his cell." And he goes, "What? What's all that? That's just a bunch of drawings. Why do I need that?" And like. <laughs> like you're like supposed to be this like ace reporter like you have a great opportunity to look into the mind of this serial killer and you're just not going to do it (laughs) i mean even even the detectives like stop messing around (laughs) like are the detectives not looking at looking at that stuff that's the other thing it's like how bad is the fbi in this bad they're so bad Mm -hmm. um one of the other things that made me chuckle was (laughs) After Eddie b- broke the story and put Cletus into jail, they were delivering exposition through a news segment, which they did a couple times mm-hmm. in this, um, and even do it in the post credit yeah. scene. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was just hilarious because the reporter's like, 
like Cletus Cassidy is now behind bars. Ace reporter Eddie Brock, as a result of this, is now back on top. Like it, it's just like who hears that in a newscast? Like they're talking about like the career of the person that reported it. They're like, all right, Eddie's back on top. Like, but then we see Eddie, and like nothing really changed for him. We're just like, no, that's how we know that he's on top is because the news reporter tells us somebody says back on top. I just heard right. that. I was like, I don't, I can't imagine like a newscaster actually saying something like that. But it's another one of those things that's like, it's almost like a Pert like moment. Movie. Like, that's something that, like, yeah. ridiculous that people wouldn't really question back then. But now it just feels <laughs> weird. But it, it matches yeah. the tone. Like, again, it's right. Yeah. It's goofy. Stuff I think like ultimately, like, I think in this one, ultimately, what, what sets the tone for me is the, is the rave scene. We get rave venom. And I just, I lost it the first time I saw yeah, that. I like that because, like, in one of the in one of the first shots outside of Eddie's apartment, you see the poster for like the the festival. I'm like, this is gonna be a part of it because it's even designed like 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 Venom. Yeah, um, it's like like the devil inside of me type of thing. And like, I'm like, this is this is gonna be involved somehow. And little did I know that it was going to be. With uh, with Venom himself being at a rave mm-hmm. undetected, <laughs> and I, I thought it was a great way just to show, like pulling these characters apart and giving us time with each of them without each other was so was such a good idea and a good part it of was. this movie because it showed like that's the reason how that much they're they so need good each other. They're able to defeat Carnage is that like mm-hmm. they are actually a great symbiotic relationship. Hmm. Um. And him just jumping from host to host, and then like I don't know, did they die? It seems like they just died. <laughs> yeah, they could. They I I should have mentioned this in the first one. That that's part of the problem is that Drake's trying to figure out like why some people can be symbiotic with yeah. the symbiotes and why others die. Um, I mean, it most of the time when the parasite leaves or when the symbiote leaves, the subject dies. Yeah. And he's like that. That's the whole like conflict of the first one. Right. Uh, speaking of which, the first one, um, Jenny Slate. I forgot she's in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but the whole the whole point of Drake's experiments and the whole conflict was that he started using human subjects after like one symbiote, uh, literally one symbiote, like combined with a like, right, yeah, combined with a rabbit. And he goes, "Okay, let's start testing humans." And that's when Je- Jenny Slate's character was like, "No, we shouldn't do that. That that that's wrong." But I, I don't. I didn't buy her as a scientist. Yeah. she's she's Mona Lisa. Like that's <laughs> that's so hard to not. <laughs> that's so hard. That I didn't. Why? I, oh, that frustrates well, me to I, no because end. Because I have a one year old now, I now know her as uh, Nanny from Muppet Babies. So. <laughs> I was like, there's a new uh, Muppet Baby show. Not to go on a too big of a Muppet Baby tangent on, on our MCU show, but um, I heard the the nanny talk, and I was like, that, that's Jenny Slate for sure. <laughs> I never even looked at it to confirm that, but you can just, yeah, she has a very distinct voice. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that was a, yeah. such a weird choice to make her a scientist yeah. in the first one. And, like, she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even try and, uh, like, ham it up at all. It's yeah. just, she tries to play it straight, and she's, I don't buy her as a scientist. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone was too trying to play everything too straight in that first movie. Yeah. Didn't lean enough. And that, it. and that's where the second one, I think succeeded. Yeah. The, um, I know we've already talked about Woody Harrelson and Shriek, but I think that's to me, that's where it worked is he knew 
to an extent what this role was. It was like a, like a cartoon. Well, Mickey from Natural Born Killers is already like a cartoon, but like this is even more cartoonish. Yeah, I, I, for me, that is the part that just didn't work as well for like, I, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger quite on what it is. I think maybe we don't we don't have enough of who Shriek actually is. No, like, we never got the sense that she was in the the Saint, whatever Saint Saint Agnes. No, Estes, Saint Estes. Yeah, that's it. Saint Estes. Okay. As, Estes. Um, <clears throat> we never got the sense she was in Saint Estes because she was murderous or anything like she was wronged because she you know had these powers um she's a mutant Mm -hmm. by the way in the comics um yeah they do mention her mutation but they don't say mutant (laughs) assuming that's at the direction of marvel um but i mean i guess you could argue that her time like in captivity was turned her kind of murderous but she just kind of was a yeah, a bit of like a generic evil person. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, it was just it didn't work as well for me as I wanted it to. Um, but then with the back to the rave scene for a second, I I did really like that as well. Um, I liked the the whole scene with him getting up on the mic and like venting his issues <laughs> to the crowd, um, and their reaction of kind of like clapping and agreeing with him sometimes, but like not fully they didn't, going in. They didn't really know what the how to react to it i thought that was pretty pretty funny well they're all they're all uh double entendres mm-hmm. he's talking about we should we should allow aliens to have rights and <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> no, like we should be able to live the way we want <laughs> um and the other the other joke that, that worked really well for me was sunny and share <laughs> yeah um, the, the chickens were constantly yeah. uh showing up it was funny that they Dropped the chickens off somewhere and then went back like weeks later and they're still at that. And they're same still there. Place, like out in the <laughs> open. <laughs> it's like what? Chickens decided to stay there. I guess I don't know. But yeah, I mean overall, I I like this movie much more than the first one. I'm more inclined to rewatch it because of the quick runtime as mm-hmm. well. So I'll probably catch it whenever uh you know it's released to the masses. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely. I I need a break from it just because I've seen it three times, three weeks yeah, in a row, sure. unintentionally. I mean, a couple years now without seeing it. So yeah, the first time I went on my own because I needed something to do one night. Second time, a friend from college said he he was willing to go, so I said, "Yeah, I'll go. Why not?" And then you said, "Yeah, let's go Saturday." I'm like, "Fine, okay, <laughs> Fine. let's do it." <laughs> so yeah, I can I can go a while without seeing this one again, yeah. but. Uh, when I, when I get in the mood to, I'll definitely check it out or go or revisit it. Um, but I, I mean, I'd highly recommend this to anybody. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my friend from college, I saw it with, hadn't seen the first one yet. And he seemed a little confused at points, but I, I think overall you could watch this and not need to For know sure. a lot of the, not need to know what happened to the first one. Yeah. I mean, they do reference um, like all the stuff that happens in the first one of like, we're still being investigated for all that stuff that you pulled in the first one or the they outright referenced the lobster incident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a fun time. I highly recommend mm-hmm. it. Um, Two other things to call out quickly before I know we want to move on to the post credit scene. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I thought Michelle Williams as Anne was much better in this movie. Yes. Had a much clearly defined, uh, a more clearly defined 
character, a more clearly defined relationship with those around her makes yeah. made decisions that made a lot of sense. And her place in the story felt natural. And it seemed like she was comfortable and happy working in the role where maybe wasn't the case in the first one. Um, yeah. And then uh, most of the scenes with Mrs. Chen were great as well. <laughs> I got a big laugh out of uh, Venom taking her over and apparently being she's able to uh, host Venom too, it seems. I guess. <laughs> she didn't it seems like her. almost anybody can host Venom now. Yeah. So good. Guess we'll have to go with plan B, and I guess that's what plan B was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great, great. Um, I will say, I think what heightened this one for me the first time I saw it was knowing that Tom Hardy does the voice too Mm. of Venom. And just thinking like this is this is probably a big reason why they wanted Circus to direct it, is that you gotta think on set Hardy is just talking to himself. Yeah. Or like beating himself up for all of these scenes. (laughs) Which just made he's such a good physical actor mm-hmm. in the in these that it makes it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. There's like a slapstick element but, to it all, right? Like him, like him in the bathroom, like like shaking the uh, shaking the symbiote yeah. uh, and talking to himself with the woman in the stall next yeah. to him. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we should move on to the post credit scene and should we should mention that I I do like the way it ends of them sitting on the beach. Um, yeah, and and Venom being like, "Oh, I love you, bro." <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, the the post credit scene there, uh, they're in the like beach resort hotel, laying in bed, and Eddie's like, or they're watching some soap opera, and Venom said, or Venom mentions that, "Oh, I, we all have our secrets." I go, well, what have you been hiding from me all these years? And that's when we kind of find out that um, Venom's still connected to his planet. Yeah. And the symbiotes all have a hive memory and a hive mind. So they all can like, they all know what each other is thinking and doing at all times. And it's knowledge that spans universes. Plural. Venom says plural. Yeah. Which is important. I think. Yeah, I think it is. But. I think so, but at this point, I don't think so. I get what you're getting at, though, because I thought the same thing at first. Um, yeah, he says that they have the hive knowledge in mind to, of knowledge that, span, uh, that crosses universes. Yeah. At um, that point, I I was like, oh, my God, are they about to, like, go cosmic on us for a second and show, like, Null, yeah. like, the god of the symbiotes and, like, their home planet? Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is, could be a really cool direction to take the third one. Yeah, uh, but anyways, but then, but then, like as he's showing, trying to show Eddie like stuff he's seen, like just a fraction of what he's seen. All of a sudden, we see this giant bang, and the whole room changes. And there's J. Jonah Jameson. Yep, on the TV, and like, oh, okay, we're in the MCU yep. now. I, I honestly, <laughs> the way I thought, I, I know it's inevitable that we're getting we going into this. I knew it was inevitable we were getting the hardy holland crossover at some point right yeah my thought was they were just going to retroactively be like yeah this you know the whole time was in the mcu we're just gonna you know do something to to show that it, it's yeah. been in the mcu the whole time like just a retcon but no they just like yanked him into the mcu <laughs> um i think this is more interesting yeah. though because it gives a lot more weight to no way home yeah assuming that's what the bang was so i i have questions about it 
I have questions about uh-huh. it. So there, <clears throat> there's a couple possibilities. I mean, the biggest possibility to me is that this is part of like Doctor Strange's spell to pull him into yeah. into the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that possibility for a sec. <clears throat> Where that doesn't track for me is he's brought, and maybe this is just like convenience because they already had the footage, but he's brought into a time when it looks like it's right after Parker's been revealed as Spider-Man, right? Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this so many times. Go ahead. I know where you're going with this. So what, how does that line up with, you know, it looks like it could be weeks after his identity is revealed that Parker goes to strange to perform the spell. It could be weeks after. Um, my whole thing with that reveal was that I, I'd seen the nitpick of, well, if if Hall, like, why is Holland standing in the city with his mask off? Like, why? Oh, I didn't even like, think that about would never, that. Yeah, like that would never happen. I just thought, well, that's they're just trying to get the point across of it. Does, it doesn't really matter. That, that's such a nitpick to me. Well, not to mention that, it. Very well, could like, it's just to get the, the idea of no cross. Like, yeah, he's like, well, I'm screwed and just takes his mask off. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You weren't going where I thought you were going with that. But um, I'd seen that nitpick. I'm like, dude, you're just that. that's just annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, I think if I had to guess, the start of No Way Home is going to be Parker trying to deal with the news out there for a few weeks. And then that's when he realizes I need to go see Steven about yeah. this. Um, or see what he can do about it. And I mean, it's possible that Jameson like is so obsessed with Spider-Man that he's talking about this for weeks. You know, yeah, that's so that's I, true. Yeah. Good I mean, the foot, I mean, the footage that they show wasn't exactly what it was at the end of far from home. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it was kind of similar, but I have a feeling that because, Jameson has such an obsession with the Spider-Man character, Spider-Man uh, image and symbol that he's like he won't get off of it. Right. Until Peter Parker's captured. That's true. That's that's actually a good point. Um So yeah, I mean, I think the most likely scenario is that it, this is just part of Strange's spell. And for whatever yeah. reason, I think we get kind of more details on what the, actually went wrong with the spell, but it seems like it's just pulling villains that have had some connection to spider-man in the past right right um so naturally it grabs venom and i think that's where the universes come into play i think venom subconsciously through his connection to other universes in the symbiote um, via the symbiote home planet and everything in their shared history i think there's some like deep level of recognition between himself and peter <laughs> like i think he mm-hmm. he saw him and that's why he was like that guy looks tasty like like maybe this he doesn't guy, like well, oh i know him i battled him but like deep down he's yeah. like a version of venom he knows has knows him. him or knows him and, and i think that's, that's fair that sort of recognition comes into play yeah that's understandable um but at the same time like if we're talking about multiple universes, he didn't realize that he was in a different universe, you know? Well, yeah, but I mean, he still just saw Parker and he might not like even, even know what actually happened. He might just say like, oh, what? Like for whatever reason, he's like, that guy looks really tasty. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, I thought was one of the funniest bits of this entire movie because it's like Tom Holland Spider Man is supposed to be like 18 or 19 and Venom's like millions of years yeah. old. So, like, for him to go, this guy, and, like, starts licking the screen, yeah. I thought was so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that angle. It was just so weird. And just fits the tone of this so well. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious... It seems obvious he's going to be in No Way Home, but yeah, I'm curious if he actually is, or if this you. just sets up, if this just sets up Venom Three. I, I'll put it this way: if you if you don't think Sony wants to or is capable of shoehorning Venom into the third film of a Spider-Man trilogy, <laughs> I've, I've got the story for you. <laughs> <laughs> So if you look at the thing is the hat wouldn't allow it unless it was unless it was possible. Okay, so let's let's look at this because if you look at what we've seen from the No Way Home trailer and the mm -hmm. villains we've seen, we've seen Doc Ock. Obviously, it looks ninety nine percent certain we're getting Green Goblin, the Defoe mm -hmm. version. Yeah. You we see, know we're getting electro. We know we're getting electro, and we see the lightning. We see sand. So there's been a lot of rumor about Sandman, mm -hmm. um, and it looks like there's uh, uh, what looks like the silhouette of the lizard in the in the cells. Um, yeah, in a cell at some point. So I mean that's five, and you know if they have five villains, they're gonna have six villains. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I guess the question it's there would be: to not. Do they? Who is that sixth villain? And I, I think it's going to be Venom. They might as well just fill out the Sinister Six that way. Yeah. And I, I think um, it, you, you could even like, like Venom is typically an anti-hero, so he doesn't have to stay a villain mm -hmm. the whole time. I mean, they're going to need all the help no. they can get to fight these villains at the end. So, I mean, could Venom ultimately just turn into a, a you know, fight Spidey early and flip the tables later and fight the rest of the Sinister Six. I, I don't know. But I think when we get our next No Way Home trailer in a couple weeks or so, I think Venom will be in it. At this point, I think they have to put him in it in after Let There Be Carnage has, has been released, even for the people that haven't seen it. Yeah, you get um, people to go see it. it yeah. People are like, oh well, my even God, so, at that point, what's going on here? This is the MCU. What did I miss? Yeah. <clears throat> So um, I, I think it's no, I, I think it's about like a good, probably like a an 80 percent chance he's in no way home. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can I can agree to that. And you could argue whether um, they need to do that. I don't think they do, but um, <laughs> but you know you're already. I don't think one extra villain when you already have five is going to add is going to really distract too much. You don't have to give them huge arcs or huge screen time. Like even if they're just there for the fight, like I think it, it still is going to lay the, the seeds for, um, you know, what you do with these characters going forward. And maybe whatever, for whatever reason, it ends with the symbiote transferring to Peter. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible. You know? What I find interesting though, is that I, before we started, I was looking at uh, Avi Arad's IMDB and all the stuff that Sony's producing. Mm -hmm in the future. And we obviously have Morbius coming out. as we mentioned earlier, we have, um, the Craven the Hunter movie or trilogy yep. coming out soon. But I also saw that there's a sinister sits one labeled there too. So I'm curious if maybe we get a, 
Uh, and it said it's in pre-production, so I'm assuming they're starting to get the um, starting to get funding funding for it at this point. But we know Michael Keaton is in Morbius <laughs> for God knows what reason. Yeah. But we also know that the crossover. This is probably where the crossover happens, where um, knowing Sony, that's probably a post-credit scene. Yeah, of um, Adrian Toomes talking to Morbius. So I'm curious if maybe we get a Venom cameo, but Adrian is really uh, the other the other member of the Sinister Sits, you know, could be. I know we had talked. I know we had talked about pulling like two villains from each um, each universe, mm-hmm. um, which would be uh, Doc Ock and Green Goblin from McGuire's Electro and the Lizard from uh well, I think we've already Garfield's. gotten pretty much three from McGuire already, though. Sandman. Yeah, that's that's assuming that Sandman is True. the um, is what that is because I I mean I had said before that it's possible that's the Mysterio team with the drones possible, possible. as a possibility, or it's Jake Gyllenhaal and yeah, uh, Quentin Beck back as as Mysterio, um, but so I don't I mean I don't want to rule out either. Uh, I can't remember Sandman's name. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to rule out Sandman or uh, Beck in uh, between both of those, but that also leaves um, that would leave that sits position, which could be uh, Tombs, because th- then that's our second villain from the Homecoming trilogy. Yeah, that could be. I could see it, but. Part of me almost wonders if they, this is like a weird multiversal Sinister Six, and then eventually we get Holland versus a personal Sinister Six. (laughs) You know, like a a full six slate, like a a slate of six villains that he has a connection to that they build up over the next, you know, three years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that would probably be Vulture, Mysterio, Venom, because presumably there's going to be some holland hardy film um yeah morbius and then you know craven probably and then whatever they fill out with the next spider-man villain um i think what's what's interesting though now that i think about it if they're going to put venom into spider-man no way home hardy doesn't necessarily need to be on set for it so they could just animate him animate him in yeah, or at the very least, he could have limited presence on set to where it may not leak. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's that that's a very real possibility that Hardy is in it, but he just he does all voice work on it, or he's very he's yeah. on set for maybe like a day. Well, what they could do is just have Venom. You know, he's so obsessed with Spider Man that he just doesn't relinquish control to, to Eddie at all. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just going full on like hungry, like because just because the connection of Venom and Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, right. I mean, if Venom is in No Way Home, we'll find out in the next trailer. <laughs> yeah. Just because. But to me, it's like, I, I don't understand why you would do this post credit scene if you're not intending on having him in No Way, no Way Home. There yeah. could be some other yeah, way to true. show that he's now in the MCU without directly relating to. I mean, we, we see footage from where Spider-Man No Way Home starts. <laughs> like this right. is specifically placing him at the moment that that film is starting. 
So like you really think he's not going to be in there and shows that Venom is interested in eating him. Like what's mm-hmm. Venom going to do? Just hang out throughout the, all the events of no way home and just wait <laughs> and then to go attack him later. Like I, I just, right. I don't see any way that he's, you know, I, I think there's a really good chance, I guess that he's in no way home. One thing I thought, I one mean, thing I was really hoping for once he transitioned fully to Venom and walked up to the TV, I wanted the white <laughs> Spidey symbol to come across Venom's chest. <laughs> like his comics appearance like that would have been so cool well that's probably where i mean if it's in no way home that's probably where he gets yeah. it if yeah, he like sure. if he like binds to to peter and while he's wearing the suit that's where he gets the the white mm-hmm. uh the white symbol uh when he goes back to eddie mm-hmm. so yeah i think I'm, i think you've got a lot of a lot of interesting scenarios i mean does we, we got a pretty pretty solid and definitive goodbye um, between Eddie and Anne and basically that universe aside from the detective Mulligan stuff with Toxin that mm-hmm. they set up. Um, but where do we go with the Venom franchise from here? Because I don't, I don't, I don't want Venom versus this... Toxin. I don't want another symbiote versus symbiote fight. Like I think there are more interesting ways you can take this. There are more interesting places you could take it. And I think what you could do is... Um, you not say you have to have a symbiote versus symbiote fight, but you could have a Holland and um Holland and Venom team up, or Holland and Hardy movie versus Toxin, or um. But like, how does that work? Does, I don't. Does Holland go back to the other universe, or does Toxin come to this one, <laughs> or did Toxin come to this? One? I like that. I have he probably came to this one if if they're going to not send anybody back i mean it's it's got to be hard for uh or even even if not the, i'm assuming most or all the characters in hardy's universe exist in the mcu in some regard there's a version of cletus Cassidy out there there's a version of shriek out there there's a version of mulligan out there you know um and it's almost as if Hardy comes over and sees that Cletus Cassidy is still alive after he bit his head off. Yeah. Um, that it's going to raise a lot of questions and it's possible that um, we never saw how Mulligan was infected with the symbiote. Maybe he had it the entire time and didn't know it. Yeah. Um, so to see his eyes turn blue and then like realize that there are monsters around um. I think is just a weird way to end that yeah. arc. I I wasn't a fan fan of that, and it's a very uh, I don't want to say it's an Easter egg, but that's a very like deep reference that only the hardcore fans yeah, are really going to understand. I just don't care about. <laughs> I didn't yeah, care about so the character. I, get... I don't care about toxin. Like to me, it's the ultimate symbiote versus symbiote is Venom versus Carnage. And they just did that yeah. up and wrapped it up with a neat bow. So I, I don't want to see a third film where it's Venom versus a symbiote. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, I think where I would like to see this go is I think, I think you have a good opportunity to eventually introduce Miles Morales. And what you could do is, mm-hmm. you know, have a movie where it's Peter and, um, Maybe at the end of No Way Home, Peter gets the symbiote suit, and he's kind of like a jerk slash a little bit of a villain. Miles mm-hmm. rises up to stop him. They fight a bit. Like there's like a, a conflict there, um, and then the symbiote goes back to 
back to Eddie somehow. Eddie. Eddie's mad at Peter for stealing Venom. Venom's mad at Peter for rejecting him. <laughs> and they, they go after Peter and Miles and they kind of fight. Um, I can't. I, it's so I don't know to... much about the, the canon of Venom in the comics um, to really speculate on where they could take him. Um, so I, I don't really... I can't really say much about where they would take Venom three. If it's going to be a Hall and Hardy crossover, if it's going to be symbiote over symbiote, if it's going to be a love triangle, like you're talking about, <laughs> um, I feel like they did the origin story and they did the, um, the dark comedy and then they did the romantic comedy. So I'm, I'm curious. Love triangle where would, would fit take... really nicely with <laughs> what they're doing. It here. would like, no, uh, but what, what's the villain for that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Unless unless that's where you kind of combine what we're both talking about. I know you don't want to see a symbiote symbiote fight, but toxin. that's where like you have the love triangle between Eddie. I, I keep wanting to say Tom Holland between Eddie, Peter and Venom and then toxin. Like, this is where toxin rises up and they realize that they the bickering amongst them is. Yeah, small potatoes compared to what toxin can do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Sony does it. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't know. I. I mean the the um, big wild cards in this are. I mean the biggest wild card is Morbius. Like they're really. I mean Venom is a popular <laughs> popular character before this movie. Like I they yeah. right now they have a a successful franchise. They do not have a successful a hit franchise. They don't have a hit or successful universe. So until they can prove mm-hmm. they can do that, I'm not, I'm not saying not which way this it. stuff's gonna go. Because <laughs> Morbius could very well bomb. Very much, and it's it's that's tough. Jared Leto is a vampire. I, you don't really need to sell me on that, but because he kind of is a vampire already. But uh, Morbius isn't a well-known character, yeah. and it's coming out in what January or yeah, March? February, I think. So. It's not even coming out at Halloween like that. That seems like a prime opportunity to release something yeah. like that. And they're not doing it. So I don't I don't understand Sony's marketing or Sony's strategy to any of yeah. this. I mean, it remains so I don't it even, remains to be seen. Yeah, so I don't even want to like speculate on what it could mean or be or the impact. Yeah any more than we already have because i think when it comes to sony and their universe we can only go off of what we already have Mm -hmm. and that's not a lot yeah yep um one thing that i think is noteworthy is looking at the the remaining bits of the spider-man deal that that are still you know contractually obligated to happen is we have no way home Mm -hmm. as a marvel studios produced sony spider-man film Mm -hmm. And we have one Marvel Studios produced and owned film that Peter Parker and Spider-Man can appear in. So that's that's all we have right now. We know Sony renamed their universe from the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters to Sony Spider-Man universe. So, I mean, that tells me they're going to use Spider-Man now in these films, which is fine. I mean, yeah. fine, but but yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee that beyond whatever that crossover film is where we have you know spider-man in an mcu film we don't know i mean could he jump back to go there's another the sony verse that he's into now or is he just jumping between the multiverse is the sony verse now just 
mashed into the MCU as one, but we we just what don't if, know. What if the all the stuff about building the the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse was just a way for for Marvel Studios to cheap so, the Spider-Man character in its rotation? Oh god. <laughs> they built their entire universe over this one deal. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> That's why we have Loki. That's why we have What If. That's why we have like all these little justify or all why these spinoffs. Spider-Man can fight Morbius. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh boy. Well, anyways, I think uh, I feel like I've said my piece with this. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna add? Uh, no. I think I'm good. Yeah. So overall, an enjoyable film, a flawed film, but. No, uh, I appreciate the hour and a half runtime on this one. Yeah, yeah, it, the the short runtime keeps it rewatchable. The um, the subject matter, not say it's light, but like is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's campy, it's corny. It knows exactly what it is, and I I'd, I'd highly recommend this to anybody who wants to see it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us in this jaunt through Sony's Spider-Man universe. Um, we hope you will be joining us for our Eternals coverage, which will be ramping up pretty shortly. Then we'll be rolling into Hawkeye. So yep. Good stuff. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap. So for Jared, I'm John, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>